Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name is Marion Rose, PhD, and welcome to the Aware Parenting Podcast. And today I'm so happy to welcome back Shelley Clark. Welcome back, Shelley. Hello, how are you? I'm really well. I'm so happy to be talking with you again. So you came on episode 146, which was all about helping babies heal from their birth. This time we're going to be talking more about helping older children heal from the birth, which I think is it can be so reassuring for parents, can't it? That um, whether or not we listened to their feelings as babies or younger children, it's never too late, as Aletha says. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me back on. So a little bit more about me. And I share a lot more of my journey to aware parenting on the episode that we did a few weeks ago. So people can have a listen to that one. But I am an aware parenting instructor, also a hand-in-hand parenting instructor, which is a similar approach to aware parenting. And I really love supporting parents and running workshops and mentoring parents to implement the principles of aware parenting and really connect and support their children with these tools and this information. But my background is as a physiotherapist and craniosacral therapist as well. So I have my own little clinic here in Adelaide and I see babies and children and adults a couple of days a week. And I really love the overlap of all of these approaches, which I talk a lot more about in our previous episode. And I think for me, the thing I love about all of these things is the deep listening that underpins the core philosophies of all the things that I've learned. So that would be one of the things that I take away from everything is really learning to listen to ourselves and then to our children and in the relationships around us. So that's a little bit more about me. And today I'm really excited to talk more about how we as parents can help our children heal from their birth traumas. But before we dive in. I wanted to say that we are mainly talking about healing emotionally from the impacts our births can have, although it does have an impact on our bodies and the tension that we hold in our bodies and our nervous systems as well. But we aren't talking about significant or huge sort of traumas that can happen that can cause long-term physical and intellectual impacts on a child. So I'm not implying that we can heal all ailments and disabilities and that may occur from a birth event or trauma. And so I wanted to put this little caveat in here at the start, really prompted by a young boy that I had in my clinic today, actually, who has cerebral palsy from an event in utero and birth. And I wanted to mention this for parents who might be listening and have a child with a disability from a birth event. I want to say thank you for all that you're doing for your children and the ways that you're showing up and supporting them. And I don't want to imply that we can heal your child. (laughs) So we're really talking about the the emotional effects of our birth and the ways that this can impact our lives going forward and the way that we are in the world. And so I wanted to talk to this point before we before we dive in further. And I really do hope that you can gain some insights and helpful things from today's podcast as well. And actually 
I asked this client's mother if I could share as when he comes in to see me and he is nonverbal and he comes in to see me and has these huge emotional releases through laughter and he laughs and laughs and laughs and it's the best laughter and he looks me in the eyes and we connect and he is telling me all about his day and his weeks and you know, maybe about his birth through laughter. And I can feel tension or some of the tension change in his body and his body softens and he takes a deeper breath. And so while it's not going to change everything, he certainly experiences changes in his body and benefits from the emotional release and the connection. And so I really wanted to mention that first before we go on to talk about how we can help our children heal from um, their birth traumas, that there may be some events and things that happen that can have lifelong physical and intellectual and emotional impacts for for our children. So uh, let's dive in some more. I was very excited when we came up with this episode to talk about Uh, it is and I think for those listening for parents listening that may not have known about aware parenting from the beginning we can often have people say what what do we do if they're seven or eight or if they're five or six and there's lots that we can do so I didn't come to understand any of this work with my first two kids and so they were four and one when I really only just started to understand and learn about aware parenting and hand-in-hand parenting. So there's lots that we can do for the older kids. So I really, really want to say to any parent listening, if you have older kids and you think, oh, no, this whole series has been about babies and infants and healing birth trauma in adults, and we can do lots with the older kids as well. Yeah, absolutely can. And you were sharing a bit beforehand about some of the things you're going to talk about. And I feel really excited for people to get to hear this because it's so fascinating, isn't it? And over the years, we've had so many scintillating conversations about this. And just again, coming back to that innate wisdom that we all have babies, children, teens, adults to heal from trauma, including birth trauma. And I think once we really see children in this way in particular because we're talking about that today it really just changes everything doesn't it in terms of what we're observing what we're looking out for how we're able to respond it's really helpful yeah absolutely and I think that's a really good place to start this conversation is looking because once we change our perspective or or our lens that we're looking at this it really shifts um because when our kids are having really big cries and I'll talk about crying and listening to our kids feelings and I'll also talk about play and how we can play with the older kid as well and um, the themes that come up with their play but one of the first things is that shift in seeing what is happening for our kids and so the understanding for parents that our children are always working through something they know what they need and when it comes up that yeah they they bring this to us so if they're crying and having big big cries and offloading all of these feelings if we can sometimes yeah just shift our awareness or that lens rather than the here and we'll talk a bit more about this throughout I'm sure rather than just the here and now 
that if we understand that our kids can be healing from birth trauma, from other traumas that have happened to them at any time, when they're having some of these big, big, deep cries, we go, oh, hang on, maybe this isn't from right now. And maybe this is, you know, birthy or this is um, separation or something that's happened. And it's just shifting that awareness. So one, it's information for the parents. And that's a great place to start that actually kids do this and they do it all the time. And so once we've shifted our awareness, it's easier for us as parents to not go into that fixing mode and not to go, oh, I can't, I can't work out what's wrong right now. And, and I, you know, they're really upset and they're saying all these things and we can actually go, oh, hang on a second. Maybe this is something that they're working on from the past. And when we shift that and have that information that they do that, we can look out for it. Absolutely. And it's so beautiful, isn't it? Because it's about really the essence of aware parenting, which is really about that deep trust in all human beings, but here in particular in children and their innate capacity to heal and their constant invitations for healing. And I think it can be, again, really reassuring for us as parents to know the more we understand and what to look for and the more we're seeing aha as you say this actually is this about the present or is this past themes past trauma showing up and the more we can actually see through that beautiful lens aha and we're going to talk more about this specifically how we can really tell very clearly like straight away this is completely not about the here and now this is absolutely about their birth and when we can trust that and cooperate with that process it's also quite relieving and relaxing as a parent isn't it because like oh my god I, I can trust them they know exactly how to heal whether that's through play or through crying raging and through the movements they might make the things that they might say and we can trust them and rather than the the kind of stress sometimes of trying to fix something as you talked about is coming in with ah well how and I know we're going to talk about this how might we respond as if I'm talking to a baby that's being born rather than an eight-year-old who's finding it hard to go to sleep or who is you know feeling agitated and antsy or all the myriad of things that older children might be bringing to us so it's beautiful isn't it constantly almost having this lens of of course is it here and now need that they need support with that is there something in the moment that they actually need or is it actually they're bringing this portal to the past bringing these feelings these experiences these words these feelings so that they can heal from that and be freed from it. I mean, it's really phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah, it really is phenomenal. And I think so the first thing was the information that this is something that kids do. So if we have that, I think the next thing which you talked about is observation and looking at our kids in through that lens and through seeing what they do at certain times. And like you just said, we can look for the immediate needs and is it is this because they just fell over and scraped their knee (laughs) and or is there something else that's you know for the here and now and but when we observe our kids more and more which is a big part of aware parenting is is watching them and being attuned to them and then when we lay over that lens of thinking about their birth and thinking about what happened in that birth process for them and for you and was there a separation or was there intervention or was there an induction or was there 
something that happened, you can start to go, hmm, I wonder what that would have felt like for them. Oh, this is feeling really familiar. It feels similar. This this situation that's happening right now in the here and now feels quite similar to what they may have been feeling when they were through that birth process. And like you said, it takes that, it took the pressure off for me. When I first learned about this, I used to be really worried about crying and wanting to fix it and wanting to kind of, you know, stop it or, or help them. Cause I thought if they were crying, there was still something in the moment that I needed to do. But when I now know about this, I can just go, I can hold space for them. I can be there with them through whatever they are experiencing. And it's, it's amazing. It's quite profound for parents to have that. It's empowering for parents to know I actually am helping them in the most deep, deep way <laughs> to heal from this, from their experiences. This is what they are needing in that moment. They don't need me to come in and fix it and do things to, you know, stop them from crying. We want to just hold space for whatever that is. So I wanted to talk a little bit about crying first and when we're listening to our kids feelings and we can talk about some of those examples in a minute of how we would know when our older child is working through some birth trauma so the first thing is knowing that they do it (laughs) second thing is observing and trying to think about what their birth may have been like and maybe the separation anxiety that's coming up with Um, childcare or with kindergarten or with something starting maybe there's also feelings coming up from birth or another time and so it might be that you are dropping your kid off to the grandparents house and there's a huge big cry and we think it's just from you going off to something for an hour (laughs) Um, but actually they're using that as an opportunity to potentially, you know, cry about earlier times. And so when my kids have, you know, started a cry, they, you know, they might have, it, but there's often a, an in-the-moment thing that happens. So maybe they do scrape their knee. Maybe that you are going out for an hour. Maybe a sibling's taken a toy or there might be an in-the-moment thing that that starts it. But quite quickly, if there's feelings there from the past, children will drop into those, you know, feelings that have been held in their bodies for a very long time and they'll start to offload those. And so they might say things that don't quite make sense to what's happening in the moment. And that's one of my very first sort of hmm, this doesn't quite make sense. That's the first indicator for me. Often the feelings are really, really big. They're bigger, bigger, bigger than me leaving to go to a yoga class for an hour or they're much bigger than the the scraped knee. And so that's another thing. So big feelings for something quite small and then the things that they say. So, you know, there's been many times where my kids are, in a whole lot of big, ragey feelings. So this is like huge, big fear, terror. So we'll talk a bit more about terror because I think that's one of the hardest things for parents when to to hold our kids through terror because not many of us have had that 
experience that ourselves as parents and it can be really terrifying when our kids are you know tightly clenched and really screaming and they're hot and they're sweaty and they're really offloading a whole lot of feelings as parents we can start to go oh this is I don't know if this if this is okay because they're often working on fear and terror and so these are the big feelings and and then pay attention to what your kids say when you're listening and holding space for these feelings because they will often say things that they may have wanted to say when they were born, but obviously they're nonverbal when they can't say it, but they can when they're a bit older. So they say things. They might say what they wanted to say. They might say what they needed. You know, they they will repeat phrases. For example, and I know you've got some as well, but for example, there's been many times where for my son, you know, we had a, a pretty traumatic birth and I've all, I asked, both of my older kids if it was okay to share their birth stories and bits and pieces from their birth and they both gave me permission to talk about it today so I wanted to just say that as well but for my son we had a a he he was a von Tuss delivery so he got a bit stuck and I you know it was a long process and he had the suction cap to pull him out so it's very very that's very hard on a baby any von Tuss or forceps, it's an incredibly stressful way to enter. And I'm sending so much love to any parents out there that may have had any any forceps or any instrumental births because, you know, I've been there. So I'm sending love for any feelings that might come up around that. But it is hard for the babies. And so he over the years, because we came to this late, well, not late, there's no late, but we came to it at the perfect time for all of us. But because he was older, he was four, three, four, when we first started this work, and we were having a lot of big behaviours, hitting and biting and, you know, things in the playground. And I was like, what, what, where? I didn't know where this was coming from. And when we started to listen, there'd be times where, I would be listening and I'd have to probably hold his hand, you know, to stop him from hitting or biting me or kicking me. And so there'd be times where I was listening where he would say things like, there's something in my nose, there's something in my nose. And he's screaming and he's hot and he's sweaty. And I'm, I, when I first started doing this, I was like, well, is there there something in his nose? You know, I'd be like, oh, do I have to get it out or what is it? You know, but then when I understood that if I layered over his birth experience over what he was saying in the moment, I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure he was suctioned when he came out and they, they, you know, nursing staff would have suctioned him down his nose. And so, what he has often said over the years correlates to his birth process. And as he's been crying, I know where we're up to in what he's offloading and working through. He's said, and this is over several months, it's not all at once. It's not, you know, it might be a half an hour, a chunk of listening or a 45 minute or a hour maybe, but I, you know, tended to, it was those sort of half hour, 40 minute sort of cries, big, offloads but yeah he would say things like I can't see it's too bright it's too bright bright lights it's too bright and he was born into a bright room with all these people and yeah there's something in my nose 
he might also have he said it's it's hot I'm I'm overheating I you know it's hot it's hot he said I'm gonna die you know and he's shouted that at times now most of the time when I'm listening you know I've got a hand on him or I'm you know if he's if he's hitting or things you might need to hold his hand or a foot or whatever to make sure that everyone's safe now there's been many times where I've checked and as a parent if you're listening and your kids saying these things like you're hurting me or you're squishing my hand or you're squishing my head or oh my head hurts or whatever they might be saying you can check it and there's been many times and I will always check I'll just go you know I'll check my pressure or I'll move my hands off of them for a bit but then I realize I'm not actually in the moment right with them now I'm not hurting them I'm really gentle with where I am in terms of it's might be a, a firm pressure because to stop them from hitting me but it's actually not hurting them you can check you can check it you can make sure that you aren't squishing their arm or whatever they might be saying and then you can realize yeah and of course that's so important in a way parenting yes absolutely not here and now need of course of course checking that they're not communicating that they are squished or that they are whatever the thing is of course and I think that's the thing with parents that might be listening is that they, you know, this is the dance and the hard part of listening to kids through these big birth things because we can say, oh, we're hurting them, so we back right off and then we don't, you know, and that's okay too because we want to make sure that we're getting, we're in a great place to be able to listen, but we can check and make sure that, oh, no, I'm not hurting them, it's not a here and in the moment need and then we can hold space for oh, wow, this is something that they've processed from their birth. And it's incredible. It's incredible what they say. It's incredible being able to hold space for them through that experience now. And so when my son, this is talking about his birth, when he said things like that, I have then been able to obviously check the in the moment but I've been able to say things and respond in the way that I would have wanted to now that I know this information. And so I might say, I'm right here, sweetheart, I'm listening. I'm, I'm not going to let you overheat. Or sorry, there's, you know, that, that we there was something in your nose. I know there's, you know, your nose is clear now, you know, but like just re- reaffirming or reassuring them that, I've got them. I'm here for them now and I'm holding space for them. And, you know, when he said it was bright lights, I darkened the room. And so, you know, I'll put the blind down. So we put the blind down and made the room really dark. And then he kept crying. And so it's giving them that reparative experience now when we have the lens of, oh, they're working on something from you know much much earlier and and it's so beautiful isn't it offering those reparative experiences and I think when we have that confidence we've checked out as you say are they well in here and now that's of course really necessary for the balance of attention which is core to where parenting the balance of attention being they're feeling that emotional safety in the here and now which is also our calmness and our trust and our like my child's actually really fine I've checked out and this is really healthy 
so that they can then revisit the past. So that balance of attention between the emotional safety in the present and the, the absolutely revisiting that past experience and feeling all the feelings and getting to say the things. And isn't it the most beautiful thing to offer those reparative experiences? I remember loving that so much with my children where they might say, you know, oh, but it's, you know, it's so hard. I just, I don't know if I can do it. I can't get out, can't get out. Yes, and there's not, they're out. not in anything. They're not in, can't get out. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's very similar in a way to the Marian method. So you're a Marian method mentor as well. And hearing those charged phrases that we get really familiar with, like, you know, oh, I can't get out. Oh, yes, I hear what might be the exact reparative uh, experience and phrase for that and it's so wonderful isn't it to get to say I, I remember also loving saying things like I'm right here and we're doing this together and I'm here to help and you're not on your own and all the things that are really beautiful for us to hear in a way where I, I know this isn't a way of parenting but in a way we could think of it as we are talking to the inner baby just like we're talking to our own inner baby our inner child that that's what's happening here and it's, it's so profound to know as a parent that the birth may have gone completely different to how we would have loved it to have gone. And yet they're giving us these opportunities hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times of going, yep, yeah, it's right here. And we talked about this last time that often they will tip into and go into those things very quickly compared to us as adults. It's so accessible for them, even as older children, to kind of dip right into those experiences. Yeah, very quickly. Like, Anytime your child gets hurt, if it's a scrape or you will see a theme for each of your children sort of depending on their births and and what happened. And certainly one of my kids, you know, has a lot of big feelings for quite seemingly small bumps and scrapes and things. So pain, big, big reactions to, to pain. Now, when we are looking at it from our conditioned lens, we can think oh gosh they are you know they're not all these things I don't even want to say all the things that we you know label kids as <laughs> if they have big reactions to things because yes. I don't see kids that way yes. um, because as soon as a big thing can happen then they will go straight back to that first experience often and and if we can listen that's another opportunity as long as they are obviously not to think they're safe in the here and now it's not an actual thing that's big you can listen so they will drop into those feelings quite quickly if it's something around choice maybe they didn't get choice in their birth and they it was an induction or they didn't get to choose exactly when they wanted to come and so anytime your child doesn't get to choose their cup or their lunch or what they're having to wear or it might be a huge big thing that can that can be that they're they're tapping into those birth things. So as parents, it's looking out for those. And then when we can see it, we go, ah, oh, okay, I can listen to this then. And we can say things like, I'll help, I'll, I'll be here. I'm right here. You can choose. And whatever it might be, but we can hold space and give them that reparative experience. And again, it's so helpful, isn't it? I love that you shared. And I'm like, you. Yeah, I don't really want to say the words. And I can't even remember what they, they used to be, the judgments. But, it, you know, it's so easy in the culture we live in that we get taught to judge children and to say they're having an overreaction or they're too yeah. sensitive, all these kinds yeah. of things. 
And yet, as, as soon as we start to see, we're, we're thinking that we're telling ourselves that and we go, oh, no, this is exactly the opposite. They are so wise. They are healing from something which is going to have effects for the whole of the rest of their lives. If they're a girl, for example, it means that very much less likely for their own birth experience to show up when they're giving birth, for example. I mean, it's so life changing for children to get to heal from their birth before they enter adulthood and move into parenthood in particular. It's just so amazing, isn't it? The, the incredible opportunities. And when we're able to see that, to shift from like, and it's so understandable and so much love and compassion because it can be really hard when they're having really big reactions oh. in our really busy lives. And we might be like, I really don't want to listen to more feelings right now. Absolutely. But when we can remember the wisdom and the why <laughs> and the what effect that will probably have on the rest of their lives in terms of not carrying around that whole chunk of trauma, it's going to be much easier for us where we've got that why to go, yeah, actually, when I see the effect that that will have or I know the effect that will have, I'm actually I'm willing to listen now. Or, no, I'm not. I really don't have it right now. But yeah. I'm going to support myself to get some listening or have a bit of a rest, have an early night so that when it comes up next time, I'm really going to listen yes. and be there. Yes, uh, and which is a beautiful segue into my next, uh, one of the points that I wanted to make is that we don't have to do it all at once and we don't, you know, especially if we've got older kids and we think, oh, wow, we can we can help with these things, having our own space for our own feelings is really important. And one of the things that if parents have think, oh, well, how can I, oh, I haven't even thought about my kid's birth and they're eight or they're six, where do we start? I would always start with ourselves and if you are wanting to support your child, your older child with um, their their birth, then maybe having some listening time and talk about their birth and see what aspects come up for you around their birth. So always start with that first because what will happen is that frees up space within you. It frees up some emotional availability within you that then your child, you won't even need to do anything, they will bring it to you. Kids know when you have space to listen to their next piece or to start or whatever it might be. And so start with you first and having listening time or a birthday briefing session with a counsellor or a therapist or a web parenting instructor. There's many of us around the world now and um, have a session where we work through your experience and your feelings first because as soon as you have that free little space available your six seven eight eleven year old four year old however old they are they will know that you have that presence available for their next piece or or for them to start and so kids are very 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 wise in that so that's where I would start is us and I'm glad that you said that and And we don't have to do it all at once. We don't have to think, oh, they had a really traumatic birth. It's when we have capacity. And if we only have, you know, if we have a half an hour or something once a month, that's completely fine. So yes, whatever, that, you know, start with us first. Yeah. It's some of the my favourite work. I imagine perhaps you too, Shelley, is working with a, a mother who's, looking at what's showing up and often it shows up in parallel as well doesn't it the 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 mother might be working on something in particular and then we go oh we look that's back to your birthing experience you have and look your child's also showing this or bringing up this and look to see how this beautiful parallel process because of course uh, you know we're so interrelated 
and you know, there might be a, a little bit of the they share about their birthing experience and then the child does something and then that helps the mother then go back and do some more work and it's such this beautiful interrelated process where it's like okay it's a bit like playing a game together or doing a dance together it's like okay my turn and then your turn and then yep. going back and forth and it's such a, a fluid dance when parents are really supported to not only understand what's going on but to to do their own inner work and have their feelings heard and to feel their own emotional safety because that is so vital to the balance of attention isn't it that we actually feel calm and relaxed because we might understand it we might really want our child to heal but if we're actually just telling ourselves yeah I can do this but actually we've got a whole lot of our own either terror or rage or powerlessness disappointment grief sitting there our child's not going to do do that until we attend to that next piece yeah and they know they know what our parents what we have availability for and and so you know having our big our own big deep cries and having someone hold us through our own grief and sadness and I can't tell you the amount of times that that happened with us over the years with me having mentoring with you and we would do a session or a piece around my birth or many different things (laughs) but and then within the next day or two my child has had a big cry about something related to their birth and so that is what happens and that's why it's so important to have that support for us as parents to uh, hold our kids through this process because this is a new way of doing it and it can be really hard when we haven't had that ourselves and so yeah we can't you know emphasize that enough and the other thing that I wanted to say on that actually is that when we have listened to our kids big feelings like terror and we are kind of holding that space and we've done a big you know cry and this is the other thing that can happen when we hold our kids through those big cries they might be saying I'm hot I'm sweaty you know I've certainly had I'm gonna die which I've you know there was a time where there was a was really sketchy of low heart rate and people were a bit panicked and things for my oldest and so it may have felt like that. It, so well, you mean when he was a baby? When he was a baby. He was being born, he did yeah. have low heart rate. Yeah. Yeah. So he, when yep. he was saying that, he was yep. connecting back. He had, yeah. he so, had that kind of observable evidence that that's what Yeah. So he, yeah, so he might have been four or five when he was having these big cries and he was saying, I'm hot, I'm hot, I'm going to die. I'm stuck. I'm stuck was another one that he used to say, I'm stuck, I'm stuck. And often when he was doing that, he would be putting his head like leaning it right up against my leg and he's lying on the floor. I'm barely holding him or I'm barely touching him, you know, but he's really kind of pushing his head up against my leg and working through these big, big feelings. And often that's the fear and the terror of, oh, my gosh, what is happening to me now? This is what it feels like. And so, you know, for me as a parent, holding my kid through that and holding that space and thinking, okay, I was saying all these beautiful things and I'm right here and I'm not going to let that happen and you made it and you know whatever I might have been saying and we don't need to say much we can just be there and it's our love and our presence that they feel 
But afterwards, they often then pop out of it, and that's another thing to really notice. They will you'll feel them being back in their body, back into the present moment. They they'll open their eyes and they'll look at you, and their face changes. They you you feel them back there with you again, and they might say, "Huh, what's for dinner?" And you're like, oh, okay. They jump up, they have a little laugh and a giggle and they jump up and they, you know, are off again playing the next thing. And as a parent, I've very much felt like, whoa, what was that? And I've just held space for 40 minutes. Our own feelings can come up as well. So that, you know, getting support beforehand to offload our feelings and to, you know, have have that capacity and space within us, but also after we've held space for those big cries. There's been many times where I've jumped onto Voxer with you and going, oh, this just happened. I'm shaky. <laughs> Is this okay? Is this, you know, having reassurance, having my own feelings come up. Often I would be, I'd, I'd feel my own rage and my own frustration come up and, my own terror come up and I'd be scared that I'd done the wrong thing or I'd be scared that I, you know, I often would cry as well and say how big this is and how hard it was. And so having a space for ourselves is really important it's, when we're doing this work. Isn't it so vital, so, so vital. Uh, I love also what you were saying as well about your older son and the positions he was getting into. And we did talk about this beforehand as well with babies, but also to really know, that the positioning and the physical movement is part of the healing. And, and Lalitha Salter talks about this so beautifully in her newest book, Healing a Traumatized Child, about how often you know, to support children to move out of that state that they were in at the time, you know, the fight, flight, freeze, they might have been dissociated, whatever it was, that actually that physical movement and being able to maybe move through, and we'll talk about this with play as well, but they're actually getting to feel powerful where they felt often powerless during the birth. And so it's so often a really core part of it and to really understand that's really normal and natural. So if your child is suddenly kind of pushing into the sofa or something to get pillows and to support that process and to that, that's to, again, you can really trust that their bodies know exactly what to do. We have stored inside of us, all of us, what we experienced during our birth and we know exactly the movements that we need to do in places where we felt powerless to feel powerful and that is part of the healing to come back to that homeostasis having felt powerful and that's not only through getting to rage and to move that our arms and legs vigorously and to make the big noise and to be lovingly heard and to receive those phrases to say the words but also to really make those movements to know that this time they are oh this time they are powerful <laughs> I had a, a big noise <laughs> that's interesting I totally trust that was significant for me um <laughs> yeah, just as you were saying powerful it was the uh, powerful yeah it's the um, father of my children so I'm probably reconnecting to some experiences when I was giving birth so yeah that's really important I did also want to say one more thing which is they might say really strange things I remember once yeah. Lana said well so we're talking whilst they're crying at the moment and mm -hmm. I'd love to move on to also talking about what happens when children are not quite moving into crying, that they can be saying these kinds of things as well. So I yes, talk yep. about that. 
but she was crying, crying, crying. And she said, there's, it's like there's a table on me. It's like a table. There's a table. Why is there a table on me? And obviously it wasn't a table. She's just on the floor crying. And I'm right there with my hand on her. And she was very, she had an 86 cell posterior birth. And I was very calm and relaxed and I did hypnobirthing and so on. But she was a long time experiencing mm. a lot of pressure. So she mm. didn't know, you know, she was finding a way to communicate that and the, the way that it made sense for her is there's a heavy table on me so again it's like yeah, really it's... seeing the kind of languaging they're using and the wisdom of they're trying to explain that experience and I think it's so beautiful because you know we're so passionate about babies to really understand even if it is a beautiful calm empowering experience for us birth is massive and we talked about yeah. this a lot before but just to really reiterate that it's really normal for all children to have feelings related to their birth even if for us it was a beautiful empowering calm blissful mm. ecstatic whatever experience yeah yep absolutely because it's probably always something there's some moment or there'll be something from any of the births you know even if it's a beautiful and I can talk a little bit more as well about my daughter's birth which was a home birth but there were still things that happened that that she will of, often cries about there was something else that I wanted to talk about with William's birth but it's just slipped out of my mind so I will talk about Isla's because I'm so willing for you to remember it again <laughs> yeah, thank you I'm sure it would come back to me oh I wanted to sort talk to what are the ways that this might show up for parents that if they've got older kids, so, you know, all the things that I've just been talking about, my son was three at least before we started to really uh, understand this. So three, four, five, we've done a lot of work through that. And we did a lot of work for him with kindy, transition to kindy. And so he had a lot of separation and, a you know, big crying hard to in the mornings to separate and so from me and dropping you know drop-offs were tricky and so that's an example of you know his transition another transition in his life anytime we are going through a transition or we're doing something it can often remind us of the first transition that we had and so probably was six or seven months of me listening you know to a lot of feelings in the mornings and at night and and but knowing that it was actually a lot of birth stuff that we were and it wasn't every day but just so for parents that it can be in the now those transitions are tricky because they're young and it's hard but also it can be the the earlier experiences as, as well so that's what I was going to say with him but also sleep night I was going to say that sleep's often so the sleep one, right? a yeah. huge one so yeah. night wakings yeah. you know a lot of births happen overnight yeah. a lot of women go into labor overnight there's a lot that happens in the nighttime and that can you know when kids wake up at nighttime they can be connecting back in and I know you've got a story I don't know if you want to talk about that now with looking at where these things can show up for our kids just to keep an eye out for yeah. these old kids Absolutely. And I think some of the ways I've seen it show up over the years is the older child is still finding it hard to go to sleep and they might be, I was going to say presenting, it's a funny word, isn't it? But you know, they might be feeling quite anxious or scared or even actually quite terrified and they might be really finding it hard to get to sleep. And of course, it's so normal and natural as a parent to kind of go in and more on that 
here and now level and go, you know, what can I do to help you feel calm and do lots of beautiful things, you know, meditation and massage and baths and all the things, which are beautiful things. But if you're doing all of those things and your child is still clearly quite agitated and see that you can feel that fear in their body and then again even if they haven't moved into crying so this can be really common I find around that bedtime team they might be saying things like don't leave me or I'm scared or don't turn the light out or why aren't you helping why you know whatever and we might go oh my gosh you know what can I do to what and that's where again those thoughts may come out you know what's wrong with my child all those things they're X years old now. Why can't they go to sleep? On yes, <laughs> seven years old. They should be able to go to sleep by now. All of that, rather than, of course, if we've done things again to, to meet those needs on the here and now level, and that's still there, it's often a really clear indication that this is showing up. It, it's a replication of what happened often around their birth, and so again, really inquiring into how might this be similar, and how might the words exactly as you were talking about earlier, how might the words be them expressing what they felt as babies and when we can go in again more with that rather than that oh my gosh either what's wrong with my child or what's wrong with me or what am I going to be doing but just like the the kind of inner dialogue of like ah this is them they're how wise are they they're going into sleep they're reconnecting with their birth memories they know how to heal all they need is me being able to support them with that great I'm here we can relax into that into that calm confidence that actually all is well and just be there and respond give empathy often it's even just giving empathy and having that calm confidence that actually there's nothing wrong with them that yeah. actually supports them then maybe into move into the feelings they might say you know but why aren't you why aren't you doing the meditation tonight we always do the meditation whatever it might be and we and we might just we might even offer a loving limit at that point like say you know i really hear you'd like to do that tonight but but i think actually that's not the most helpful thing for you right now but i'm here and i'm listening so we might offer a loving limit in terms of if they're frantically trying to do something whatever it is to try and suppress those feelings we might generally offer that loving limit they might have a big cry about this again apparently small thing that is them releasing terror from their infancy and gosh as you said it's not going to probably be one big cry it's probably going to be a number of times they do that they're releasing that terror from their body that is going to affect every single area of their life and it's also going to mean they're going to be able to go to sleep they're going to be able to feel more confident in themselves we're going to feel a whole lot more relaxed as well so again it really is magic isn't it really this deep trust in a child's innate wisdom all of our innate wisdom Mm. Absolutely. Actually, it reminds me of an example with my daughter, I, which I'd remembered the other day. There was a period of time and this was around where she was learning to go all night toilet wise, you know, and so we would, she would sort of stir. And so we would kind of take her to the toilet, you know, kind of 11 o'clock or night or, you know, whatever, before we went to bed. And when we heard her rustle a bit, we would take her to the toilet. and there was months, many months, and I'm sure you probably remember this, where or it was a period of time, I can't remember how long exactly, but where we would move her and she would hate being moved and she would say, she'd wake up and she would scream, don't move me, don't move me, and she would cry and I'd be like, oh, so then we wouldn't, but then she wouldn't, she would, you know, we'd leave her, but then she'd wet the bed and 
it was this sort of cycle. And again, as parents, we can go, okay, what do we do for bedwetting? What do we do for this? And we're learning all these things to try and fix the here and now, what it looks like the issue is. And it was after, probably after a session or at some point I went, oh, hang on a second. For her birth, she had a home birth. We were in the water, in the pool at home. It was quite fast in the end for her. And when she came out, she was um, a bit purple and took a while to take her first breath. And so that we did actually, she was moved. So we cut her cord early, earlier than probably what I would have loved. And they moved her over to the kitchen table and wafted some oxygen and those things. In hindsight now, I would have loved that to be on me and, and done differently, but that's okay. But we moved her. So she was moved away now it was two meters away from us and and actually I think this I clicked these things together one night where she was saying don't move me don't move me and my husband actually managed to sort of but she she did go into the bathroom and she so she had a big cry in bed saying don't move me don't move me and I'd realized like oh it just felt much um it, it feels like it's coming from another time that's the way I can describe it it's like oh this isn't right now of course it just sort of all clicked together that we moved you and I'm like I'm so sorry sweetheart we won't move you. we're not going to move you I said when you're ready we'll go we'll take you to the toilet because she was wide awake by then now and sometimes you are doing listening in the middle of the night or late at night and that's you know when we do it And so I said, we won't move you, darling. We'll stay here when you're ready. And so she had a big cry without being moved. And I was right there with her and I was holding her close and talking to her. And and I said, we won't move you. But also holding that loving limit of like, we do need to go to the toilet or we, we are, you know, so that she was, she had a big cry. And then my husband took her to the toilet. She went to the toilet and then she had a big, big cry in the bathroom because I wasn't there and he was there with her. And so, and I could sit right by, I was sitting right by her bed and our bathroom was really close. I'm like, I'm right here, sweetheart. I'm with you. But being, having that distance between her and I again brought up more feelings. And so my my husband, who's brilliant at listening to, he listened and we were both there, all of us. So she had moved spots. And more feelings came out. And then she came back to me and we had another big cry. And so that was all, you know, in one evening, it was a big chunk of time. And then the bedwetting stopped. So we could, you know, she then, after that session, she actually stirred quite easily and she would still, we would still probably take her and come back. And I know there's different um, opinions on whether you do that or not but you know but she would stir and go to the toilet and come back very easily and so and this was even if she woke up in the car some you know as a as a three-year-old if she ever woke up and fell asleep and woke up anywhere she would say don't move me and she would wake up in this kind of panic and and scream at you and you couldn't move her out of the car or you couldn't transfer her anywhere without it being a big big cry and so kids that don't transfer if they're asleep and then they, you know, you're trying to transfer them from one spot to another and they wake up screaming and terrified, that's what she was doing. And then after that big cry, that never happened again. 
So she could be moved. She'd fall asleep on the couch and we could move her into her bed or she'd fall asleep in the car and we could move her inside or because she had offloaded all of those feelings from her birth and it was really profound. Yeah, and it's so beautiful, isn't it, when it's that really clear evidence from observation, that present moment thing, moving her is no longer helping her reconnect with the past experience because she has expressed the feelings and and healed from that and it's I mean again it's so um reassuring for us as parents now yes this the birth may not have gone in that way in retrospect that's not what you would have loved for to happen for her but she healed from it and in clear and observable ways that you can see I mean amazing isn't it Yeah, I think another one actually that just reminded me for older kids, car seats, you know, so cars when kids don't like cars or babies and toddlers that don't like car seats, you know, often being strapped in tight can be a place where babies and kids reconnect with those birth experiences because they're in, they're restrained, they're in, they're in a tight position and that can feel similar or, you know, be another time. So that would be an opportunity where we can go, oh, maybe they don't actually hate the car seat right now. <laughs> maybe if we listen and, and um, hold space for that, they're reconnecting to their birth. And after a big cry, car seats and car rides and things can be much more enjoyable because they've moved through those feelings. Yeah, absolutely. And look, we talk about that with babies. I mean, I think that's just so helpful information. And also high chairs, you know, anyway. Yeah. And of course, we're saying, of course, again, really checking out that, that it's also really normal and natural that their needs for agency and autonomy and choice that they may not enjoy in the present moment. But again, there's often that difference in terms of the intensity and that felt sense. I mean, I, I love that that you really talked about that. Is, we just get really familiar straight away. It's just like straight away, like, yeah, I can see from the quality of the feeling, from the words, from the body language, this is birth. It just becomes very clear and obvious after a while. Yeah, and I see it all the time in my clinic with with kids because I see babies but also older kids. And because I'm always looking at kids through those lenses (laughs) and we might ask a parent about their birth, even if they're five or six or seven, like, Every time a child will start to play out their birth, and this might be a great time to move into play. Yeah, I was going to say that. Um, that. You know, kids will do that. All of a sudden they are underneath my couch as the therapist and the mum's there or they're, you know, they're recreating their birth. And, you know, kids know when you have that, that space and availability for that. And so, yeah, this is a great time to talk about play. We can talk a bit more about that. Well, I would love to share one of the things I used to love playing and my kids loved playing is just a really simple game that I would get down on the floor on my hands and knees and they would get underneath my body and then I just they, they would just kind of crawl between my knees and I would offer just a little bit of pressure so that there was a little bit of that sense of like ah, and then of course they would get through and they were like ah, and I would say things like welcome to the world or I'm so glad you're here or you made it and, and it was just so fun and they would laugh and laugh and laugh and just do it over and over again and it was really fun and again just really simple ways that we can offer these kind of experiences or you know tunnels that you can buy from places like Ikea some children will really want to climb through tunnels and again have that experience of like jumping out of the end but yeah I know you've got lots of stories to share as well 
Oh yeah, lots. Um, <laughs> I ate so many things. And so in terms of helping older kids, one of the things I would say is trusting whatever your child brings you and your child will show you what they want to work through with a game that you create. If you have that lens of, hey, we've got some time to play, you know, I've got half an hour, here I am. What do you want to play? They will create something and if you come to it with a lens of like, oh, look, let's see what happens here. And you don't even need to say, let's play your birth, <laughs> but you can, you can, you, you will start to see where they, it's very, very obvious what they are doing. So following your child is always the first thing because we might think, oh, they need to heal from something, but that's our, that's ours. <laughs> and they will show you what they need and and following where they take it. Because there's been many times where I've played with kids and about around schools or something else. And I would think that it was going to go this way and it didn't. It was something else. So that would be my first thing is just setting the intention and having that um the space to play with them in this way they will show you often the rest and they will crawl through your legs and they will you know create cubby houses and they'll hide in the cubby houses and they'll say things like it's really dark in here and it's warm and I don't want to come out yet and you might say okay well you can stay in there as long as you need and is there anything else that you might need in there and, you know, we've done this exact game actually with my kids oh, a few years ago now. So I think I'm pretty sure I had two. I hadn't had three yet, but I might have been pregnant already. So symbolic play in, a, in attachment play is where you're playing out something that symbolizes. So they might play births. You might play babies. You might play schools or kindies. And you just play out those that scenario and you follow your child. Yes. Yeah, yeah and I wanted to say with symbolic play, I mean, that can be that if you do, like, maybe you've listened to this and you're like, oh, my gosh, I would actually like to support my child. And you might have a tunnel or you might have a way that you like to do, they like to play cubbies. So you might offer that. You might set up the space there. Yeah. And then just to observe them, they might go straight into it. They may not at all. But we can really trust that if we are yeah. looking to. And that's where sometimes I might say to a kid, um, hey, do you want to play? Let's play going to the toilet. And that's me saying to my husband, hey, can we have a conversation about this? So it's the same with kids. You are opening up a conversation by saying, hey, do you want to play blah? And then seeing where they take it because, and that's all we might need to do is, is open up that space for the play. And then we sit back and we observe where it goes and we follow them. And and all of a sudden it's somewhere, somewhere. <laughs> You'll see where they take it. Um but there was a time when, so there's symbolic play and then regression play. Regression play is when our kids will go back to younger times and they will play out the needs that they had then. They'll play out the what, what they wanted, how they wanted it to be, and they will regress back. And so as parents, having, again, the information that kids do this. So when our four-year-old is starting to speak like a baby and, you know, do baby talk and... As a parent, we can easily go something along the lines of stop talking like a baby. I'm not going to give you this until you start using your words or 
whatever we might do in that conditioning. But if we know that kids do regress back, we can follow that and join them in that play. And my kids have gone back to being in my tummy. So they have regressed. We've played regression play right back to they've crawled up my shirt. One morning we were playing on the bed in the bedroom and they crawled up my shirt. I had this big jumper on and I, they crawled right up inside and, and they said, Mom, this is like me being in your tummy again. And so that was the invitation. And I went, oh, yes, it is. <laughs> what do you need in there? You know, how are you? And so I asked a few questions. What do you need? Oh, uh, you know, I just need some food. Okay, what sort of food do you want? So then we had a you know conversation. I said, oh, what's happening next? No, nothing. I'm pretty cozy. And then, okay, so we had a little, you know, they laid in there for a bit. And then I said something like, are you ready to come out now? They said, no, not yet. Okay, you get to choose. So, again, this is giving them that reparative experience with through play, through laughter, through connection. They get to play out what they didn't, may not have been able to experience. And so if you had a cesarean they might want to crawl through tunnels and might want to crawl through your legs. Even if you had a natural birth, they still might want to do those things. They might want to turn differently. They might want just to do it over and over again until it's they've made sense of it and they don't need to do that anymore. And so following what that was. And so my son, who was inside my tummy, we stayed in there for ages and he was doing all these things. And then he's like, I need to move. Okay. Well, and he moved and he, he literally flipped around inside my big t-shirt jumper and his feet were right up near my like coming out the top of my neck like top of my jumper and then so he got into position basically the birthing position and then he wriggled out and I I made sure I had enough pressure just a little bit of pressure through like my legs and through kind of holding him that he had to kind of work a little bit and there was laughter and giggling he had to squeeze his way out and wiggle 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 and I put my hands on his feet so he could push out a little bit anyway and then he flopped onto the floor and he was all floppy he goes oh I'm all floppy and he he goes I can't stand up and I said it's okay I've got you and I scooped him up on my arm in my hands and I was like oh exactly the same things you said look at you oh welcome oh my gosh I can't believe you're here all of those beautiful welcoming things and we cuddled for a little bit and then I said what do you need and he's like I want some milk and I was like okay so then he actually wanted some you know so we pretend like he sort of pretended to feed but then he said no I want some actual milk so we went and got a glass of milk and so it just they they will do what they need and the laughter and the connection and following them in this way is really powerful so powerful. I was also thinking it can be helpful to know that this can be really common to happen uh, around birthday times, but also if there's a younger sibling being born or just being born, often those again will be invitations to say, oh yes, birthday, revisit birth. And for us as well, to, uh, we may also revisit the giving birth process around about their birthday. And similarly, if there's a, another sibling coming into the world, you might suddenly notice that the, this kind of either the play or the feelings or the, the crying and raging can often show up about around those two times. 
Yeah, I, I had that as another point to mention because I can't tell you the amount of times we've had big feelings on birthdays or even the a week or two before in those final kind of weeks where things are getting tight and they're getting prepared and they're ready, getting ready. So yes, definitely leading up to their birthdays. And I would say my oldest turned 11 this year and we still had, you know, the week before we had a huge, big, big cry that we listened to and a couple of days leading up to as well. So he's 11 and we're still, there's lots there. So I really want to say to parents listening, it's never too late to start and it's, you know, and it can continue. Even if we have also listened from birth, there will often be layers of feelings that will come up. So yeah, just to be aware of that. And actually with Isla, another story, so my daughter, when my, my when I was pregnant with my third, there was like a couple of antenatal appointments that I went into the hospital. And so with her, so she was with me, she was about two, went into the hospital and we're all fine at the antenatal appointments. And the first time, I don't even think we got down the corridor before she laid on the floor and didn't want to go anywhere and she had a huge big cry. And so there I am in the middle of the hospital listening to her have a cry. Then the second time we got into the car and when we, uh, and actually it was because I was going to move her. Uh-huh. <laughs> we stopped at the shops to to go and get groceries on the way home. She didn't want to get out of the car. And another big cry. So I listened, you know, in the car. And it was only after the second time that I thought, you, we, you know, both times we were at an antenatal appointment and it was the same midwife. You would have heard, she would have heard her voice. She was at her birth. And so often as parents with older kids, paying attention to what you were just doing, paying attention to where you just were or what was just happening can be another way to for you to realize they'll connect the dots that they are working through something from their birth potentially or an earlier can be an earlier separation or an earlier medical thing as well and another trauma at some point so yes that was another time antenatally that it was yeah fascinating for me to see her use those times of oh wow (laughs) You had that same midwife do all the your appointments and antenatal appointments and she was at your birth. So beautiful, Shelley. And again, I really want to emphasize like the, the shift from just, you know, to really understand this also makes parenting even more interesting because of course parenting often can be a lot of repetition and a lot of kind of things that you might think of as kind of mundane or, you know, repetitive. But when we have this lens on our children and their behavior and their feelings, Actually, also just I found just made it so much also more interesting because it's like, oh, yeah, it's like being an emotional detective that we're seeing that there's all this complexity and nuance and and incredible processes that are happening really every day with our children. And I think they can really support us to find it more fulfilling and enjoyable and inspirational when we are doing a lot of things over and over and over again and in living in the disconnected domination culture where we're not getting the honoring and the appreciation, the validation that we really would love to have. So just really want to, to name that again. What, what a huge difference it makes for us as parents to, and to know that we're contributing to our mm-hmm. children in these ways. That It's yeah. really important. What we're doing is really yeah. important and makes a huge difference to them. 
Yeah, absolutely. I just had a mother that I saw in my clinic a few weeks ago. We did a birth process with the mother in the session and then her next session she came back and said, oh, my four-year-old, I think, four or five-year-old, she was doing this game down the corridor, crawling through the legs, you know, crawling through the legs, crawling through the legs. And they made this game out of it. And because she'd done a piece and then it frees that up, that space up for her child to do their piece as well, the play and, and yeah, crawling through the legs or any time a child often flips around and dives off something. So there's been times where my kids have wanted to dive off the bed or, uh, and, and me hold them kind of upside down and, and they have that sensation of sort of being head down and they want to dive off the bed and and then it was become a game where they get to dive off again and maybe they land in pillows or something like that. It's recreating those sensations and the laughter and the connection really helps them to process that. So there's some game ideas. The other thing that I would say around play is if your child has had a traumatic birth and we, we touched on this before around the powerlessness it can be incredibly, it can feel incredibly powerless if we are stuck or don't have choice or feel terrified. So I have found games where they get to do a lot of power reversal games. So where they get to be in the more powerful role where there's some body contact. So they get to push against you or pillow fights or a lot of that rough housing for us has been a game changer for the feelings of powerlessness and a huge one where they get to roar at you and you know bowl you over with their voice or with their you know big huge pillow fights or whatever it might be to really help them reconnect with that feeling of being power you know their power and working through that powerlessness so that's another way and especially if kids are Again, the the conditioning way of, you know, things kids might be shy, these are in italics, <laughs> shy or timid or uh, scared to try new things or these things that we label kids as. Maybe if we look with the lens of having their birth, what was their birth like and giving them opportunities to work through that and to come out of that, just, and you might even want to comment around that, dissociated or terrified state and and shift it yeah um I don't think I'll say more about that but I just love what you communicated there and I, I really you know actually what I was thinking when you're talking about diving off and I was thinking oh, about diving to water and I was thinking about also things like water slides like particularly again with older children you might go to the water slides I only know that because the water slides really helped me connect with my birth and yeah, so, water know, really understanding water slides or you know going to a park with equipment you might find like yep. the tunnels there or things again really observing a child's behavior so there might be a child who feels really scared about going down a water slide for example or through a tunnel and again really observing that can be really helpful for us parents rather than judging them or judging our parenting or comparing them to other children like ah, oh, you know what might be this helping them connect with is this possibly 
helping them remember their birth. I know for me, that's been a really big thing, water slides. I remember once when with a homeschooling gathering with my children and all the children were going down and I was there at the top and I waited there for about 20 minutes and all these little children were coming past me going, would you like some help? And I was just being with my feelings <laughs> until I was ready to go down. So yeah, we're, we're constantly being invited to reconnect. Well, constantly. How often do you go to Waterside? Anyway, we're, we're often being reinvited. Birthdays, yeah. all the kinds of things. So. Yeah, absolutely. Waterside and water, being in water. Yeah. Is, you know, I've, say, so going to, there's so many, there's so many birth stories. I've got lots of birth stories, but I distinctly remember another one where I was at a hotel room with my, we're, we're away on holidays or somewhere with um, my son and swimming in the pool. And I might've just had a session as well. And so then we were in the pool afterwards having a play and he said the same thing, you know, he said, mum, can I be born again? <laughs> yes sure what where does this go I was just talking about your birth how is this even possible <laughs> you know still constantly amazed by it and you know we we're in the water and so he got to dive down and he was swimming underneath and then he sort of popped back up out of the water and we didn't didn't have a water birth for him but this was what he was wanting in this particular little piece and we did a I don't know 10 or 15 minutes of playing being born and it was profound, profound for me, actually, as and it w really was really healing for me because I got to have that experience of having him come up onto my chest and snuggle in close and stay there. And it's really healing. I love that you named that, Shelley, because I think that's the thing to really remember, too, when we're saying all these things, when we're offering reparative experiences, like, and particularly if, if we're the, the birth mother and we were also there, like often that really is incredibly reparative for us, that we also often getting to have more of the, perhaps the birth experience that, that we would have wanted. So it's it's profoundly hearing, healing for us and also for or the dad or the other partner as well that might have been there might also have been feeling powerless or all kinds of feelings you know for us to know that we also can be powerful in supporting them to heal it can it can also help us heal yeah it's amazing and it certainly that experience for me really shifted that felt sense of closeness and attachment and to to my son and i'm sure he felt that that in return too you know it was a boat two-way thing and so that was a really he healing experience so when our kids invite us into their world with play and through these experiences it's it's a chance for us especially as that you know if we are the birthing parent because we're in that experience too it it's profound and we don't need to wait until they are adults to to do that we can do this with any age children now I reckon that pool one might have even been when he was about four or five but if you're listening and you're thinking well I've got an eight-year-old or an 11-year-old would they kind of do these things in a pool with me but you actually never know they probably will you know but it might look like they're diving under the water and they are you know going between your legs and you have you know there there'll be a game where they will do something that they need and I think sometimes we often think children are too old to play some of these games and actually they 
they love them. <laughs> the games that I play with my four-year-old are the same ones that I play with my 11-year-old. And it's, you know, yeah, even the older kids do really love them. Yeah, absolutely. Even, and even like really simple things that like if you're at a pool with a, a child of any age, I used to find it's really beautiful when they're floating to, to hold their heads and just to really invite them to really rest into that. I mean, that's beautiful, even for us as adults to experience. And we used to also do kind of paraversal games where they do that for me as well, because they can hold mm-hmm. us. But in terms of them, again, getting that, particularly if perhaps the pregnancy wasn't as completely relaxed and perhaps there was some tension perhaps we were stressed or or whatever so again that can be a reparative experience a really simple thing of just holding the head and and inviting them to just be really for us to really support them and hold them and that can be beautiful for for older children and and tweens and teens as well to to know that we can still support them in that way Mm. and and with uh teens tweens and teens it it might look different, but when they snuggle in close to you on the couch and they snuggle in and they, you know, snuggle in and lay on your belly and they are really close to you, you know, stroking their hair or doing things that maybe they didn't get that same connection right at the start or there was a separation or something. But looking at, yeah, those opportunities as a time for offering them something that they may not have gotten earlier on that can be really powerful yes 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 yes. i love this conversation we could talk about this for 10 hours couldn't we i know we could (laughs) we could i'm just thinking if there's anything else that i wanted to add but i think that's pretty much um all the notes that i had I really appreciate you bringing so many of your experiences and I know you have many, many more, but I just, I think it's so wonderful that the really practical, tangible things, I think unless you hear this kind of stuff or you've experienced it yourself, it's not something that we, we're taught at all in this culture to think in this way. And it, it can be just so eye-opening, aren't it? So I really appreciate you coming and sharing and I would love to hear what you're up to now. And so in terms of people who are listening, I so recommend them coming and having a look at your website and your offerings. What have you got going on at the moment? What can people do and where can they find you? Yes, thank you. So my website is shellyclark.com. And then on Instagram, it's underscore Shelly Clark underscore. So I've got some little game ideas and videos on Instagram. And then if you're in Adelaide, so I live in Adelaide, if you're in Adelaide, I have my little clinic. If you want to reach out, you can send me an email through the website. So yeah, that's me. And just to confirm, it's Shelley Clark with an E at the end. Yes. Yes. Shelley Clark. Yeah. Shelley with an E and Clark with an E. (laughs) Shelley with an E and Clark with an E. Yes. And I'll share that obviously in the notes, but... Yeah. Thank you so much, Shelley. I love, 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 love talking to you. I love this conversation. I so appreciate all that you do for parents and babies and children in really helping people heal and so much around healing from birth. So thank you for all that you do and what you bring to the world. I really love this conversation too. And actually I hadn't thought about how much of my work and how much I, yeah, how many examples until we actually come until coming on here I was like wow we've got a lot of games and we've done a lot of work around our kids births and 
Oh, the one thing I was going to say is even with a child that we've listened to our third right from the start, he has played less games around his birth and because he's got a lot of listening right from birth. So his play and things hasn't been as centred, but it does still, there are still elements that you can see. So I would say even if we've been doing this right from the start, we can, there's still layers that might show up at different times for our children. But yes, I hadn't realised how much I do this work with my clients and parents and then my own kids. So it was lovely to talk about because you're right, if we don't, we're not, we're not taught to see children in this way. And when we see it, we can't unsee it. It's everywhere. <laughs> it is everywhere. Yes. You know, every kid that comes in to see me in the clinic, I'll ask about their birth. And every kid that comes in with things has had a really hard birth. And I'm like, it's, it, yeah, we can't unsee it. So I just want all parents to <laughs> see kids in this way because we can help. We can we can hold space for them. We can play with them. We can listen. And then, yeah, deep healing happen. And actually, I have loved this conversation so much today. And I'm really, really passionate about helping parents to see the nuances of this work and support their children to heal. So I am running a workshop. It's a bit of a follow on from today's conversation. And it's a three hour workshop on Sunday, the 29th of October. And the link to join if you are interested in joining a bit more of a deep dive into understanding birth trauma and how you can help your child heal. The link is in the show notes. And so it'll be a live interactive workshop where we'll talk more about this process and really have lots of time for parents to ask their questions and come away with a roadmap of ways that they can help their children, maybe where they might be able to offer some loving limits or where some game ideas that they can play specific to their child. So I'm really super excited about that uh, workshop coming up in October. I also have a course called 21 Days of Play, which is based on attachment play, and it has lots and lots of game ideas for parents. So that's available on my website as well. And I always forget to talk about my podcast, but I have a podcast too called mind body parenting where I interview guests and share about all of the things I love and it's got lots of episodes on aware parenting and some other things as well so if people want to go and check that out some more it's called mind body parenting with Shelley Clark and so yes I think that is all the different ways that people can connect in with me so thank you for giving me the opportunity to chat about this again it's been wonderful Oh, I've so enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you so much. And to all the listeners, just we're sending you so much love. And as always, if it's helped you connect with your own feelings, please reach out for help, whether that's with your empathy partner or listening partner or an aware parenting instructor. It's so important that we all get support for all of the bigness that is being a parent. So, so much love, so much love, Shelley. And thank you. See you next time. Bye.